Yo, what is up? You have found We Like the Blazers. I am your host, Ryan Whitledge. And as always, I am joined by the never wrong, always right, never giving a bad opinion, Mr. Brandon Goldner. Goldner, what's up? How you doing? Yo, what is up? I'm doing good. Never wrong. I'm wrong so often. That's the thing. It's like I am often wrong, especially about Blazer stuff. Um, Yeah, I'm good. It's sunny out. We have been getting some much needed rain. I'm seeing the first of the wild mushrooms to start popping up. Like I went disc golfing yesterday and just, I was kind of on the lookout. There's this one part of Blue Lake Regional Park in Fairview where I know for a fact that like every year, these mushrooms that look like the Super Mario mushrooms grow, like the, you know, like the red ones with the white Mm -hmm. spots and they get huge. I mean, they get like as big as the disc. So anyway, I was kind of like keeping my eyes peeled, like are the mushrooms coming up yet? So I saw a couple of them. So yeah, we're, we're heading into mushroom season, Ryan. It's an exciting time. (laughs) That's a horrible, horrible, horrible season. Mushrooms can die. I hate them. They're disgusting. There's never a good mushroom. mushrooms. God, no. And it's funny, too, because one of my favorite dishes, like, you know, you have those comfort foods when you're a kid growing up and whatnot. And one of mine, it's it's it sounds like the most white trash dish with how my mom made it, which maybe that was just her way of hiding the fact that we were poor. I don't know. But it's this tuna fish casserole dish. And one of the main ingredients of it is cream of mushroom soup. Well, I hate mushrooms. I never realized until I was an adult and started and I asked her for the recipe that that was even in it, but she would just put it in. She would put the soup in a blender and just absolutely mash up the, the little bits of mushroom that were actually in there. And I never notice it. So mushrooms yeah, that's uh, so that, good though. It slightly destroyed me. I don't, it's a texture thing for me. It's, it's not even a taste thing. It's a texture thing for me. That's also kind of why I've never been able to get on board with like to- anything tofu or, or whatnot. I'm, I am not that picky about my food flavors. I am more of the foods that I don't like. It's more of a texture thing. That's fair. I will say, though, there are lots of different kinds of mushrooms with different textures out there, and some of them are really good if you ever get the chance. And if you're, you know, I mean, they even have like these kind of fancier mushrooms now hanging out at Fred Meyer. Like, pick up a couple. Give it a try. That's all I'm saying. Like, give it a try. Like, different ways to prepare it. Uh, you can even dry them in the oven. Anyway, this is not a cooking show. Well, one of the one of the funniest one of the last little bit on mushrooms and this the, here. This is a great segue. It'll tie into the Blazers. One of the funniest things I've ever seen with mushrooms or whatnot is when we were at the first time that we were at Summer League and we had snuck into that agent party. Well, I say snuck oh, in. Yeah. We walked in and nobody asked questions uh, and they had and, and we were all starving. And so they had this giant buffet table set out. They were given there was lobster and crab legs and freaking just this giant tower of burgers. And Ryan's like, oh, my God, a burger sounds so good right now. And he goes up and he grabs a burger and puts it on his plate, takes two steps away, takes a giant bite of it. It wasn't a burger. It was a vegetarian portobello mushroom burger. So the patty <laughs> was just the portobello mushroom. Room. And oh he did, he damn near turned around and threw up on somebody from eating that. And he's like, <laughs> "What the hell is this shit?" Yo, Looking those are it, good though. What is he talking about? He doesn't like mushrooms like I do, but it, it's it's especially alarming when it's something you don't like and you turn around to take a bite and you're expecting like this yeah. juicy cheeseburger and it's a fucking portobello mushroom. I thought he was going to murder someone. I was like, "Let's go to the bar. Let's get you another glass of scotch, kind sir." It's the taking a sip of water, but it's orange juice kind of thing. But I will say, I. I think it's a little ironic that someone who would love to eat a hamburger, which is basically ground various parts of animal, would be like, 
oh, but not a mushroom. Like, I get it. Like, I do understand what you're saying. Like, I'm not trying to be obtuse or anything, but I just think that's kind of funny. Anyway, shout out to mushrooms. We love and appreciate you. Uh, but Ryan, we're not here to talk about mushrooms. We're here to talk about the Blazers. And so I think I will hand the keys over to you because like, you and I, you know what? As we said in the last episode, we've been doing this long enough. Like, we can disagree with each other. We are going to disagree a lot today, but I will let you drive this ship. Uh, where do you want to start navigating since you're wearing a Seattle Mariners shirt. Nav- oh, yeah. uh, that nav- was a, that was a rough loss last night. God, the wife and I were coming back from uh, our nephew's uh, football game. Kelso taking on mountain view out in Kelso. We're driving back and listening to the rest of the game. And the score of that game was angels two, Mariners one since like the bottom of the third inning. And so I think we got in the car on the drive back at the bottom of the seventh inning. And we're just sitting there with bated breath for every Mariners at bat. It's, you know, four up three down, God, son of a bitch, just hit it. Ah, and they ended up losing. So now they're, I think it, that that puts them one game back of Boston with two games to play. So now it's kind of destiny's a little bit out of their hands and they're going to need a tiny bit of help, but it, it was, uh, it was cool to hear uh, T-Mobile park like the background noise, especially on the radio call radio calls of baseball games are fantastic, but to hear the background noise, they were a sellout. It was 45,000 people up there. I think it's been 10 years since the Mariners have had a sellout game and every single game this weekend for the last remaining games of their season are, uh, are, are all sold out. And I'm kind of, we'll get into the Blazers. I'm kind of looking <laughs> Sunday. Sunday is going to be an interesting sports day in my house because I've already, I got to figure out my layup because, or my layout. So the, uh, the Seahawks are taking on the 49ers again, wife's a big Seahawks fan. And so that's always a big rivalry. That's, that's at one o'clock. So that's going to be on a TV, the Mariners, um, the blue Jays and the Red Sox. So all of the people vying for that last wild card spot in, in the pennant chase, uh, or the wild card chase are, are playing at noon. They are all the same pitch. So kind of like in basketball, when you get the, Hey, everybody is fighting for a playoff spot. You're all playing at seven o'clock. So there's no scoreboard watching. So they all play at noon and so, yeah, I I'm pulling out all the TVs and getting the living room set up. We're going to have the Seahawks game on the big or probably the Mariners game on the big TV Seahawks game on the second biggest TV. And then the two other games going on the smaller TVs in the background and maybe even a laptop up for like, you know, NFL red zone or something like that. Just, just to pay attention to other things. But yeah, tomorrow's going to be a full blown sports day. Well, don't forget tomorrow at 7.00 AM. Uh, if you tune in to the Portland half marathon, you'll see Brandon Goldner running in it. I'm excited for that. In fact, you know, what I'm going to do, they have this thing. If you download the Portland marathon app and you share this link with people, people can actually log in and send you like words of encouragement or I guess discouragement. Uh, and it will like read them to you through the app. Yeah, no. And and people can like track where you are and what your pacing is. So yeah, so they can see when they can see when you hide in a bush or take a shortcut and try to cheat your way to a, try to cheat your way to a marathon win. They have, uh, cause this is like a, I mean, the Portland marathon is a pretty big to do. And so they have like multiple places where they're, they're chip timing you. So cheating in this marathon would be pretty difficult. Um, was that the Boston or the New York marathon where somebody famously did that? They like the Boston, 
Boston Marathon. Yeah, where someone they, like, like got in a taxi or whatnot. They I'm got in a taxi. There is one where someone like rode a bike. Um, it's getting harder to do that because again, like yeah, you have the bib that has the chip in it. Um, definitely start and finish line, but the bigger marathons like this will have like multiple places where they'll chip you, and so they're going to see what your pace. Like if your pace is like a six fifty pace, and all of a sudden you're like at a three three forty five pace, like that's like not possible. So yeah, um, don't cheat in a half marathon. But that's enough talk about mushrooms, baseball, and running. Let's talk about basketball, okay. Ryan. Where, yeah, so where are we going we, with this? We, we, seeing as that we rushed through because you were on a time crunch, I wanted to just check in and see if there was anything, especially after having a couple days to digest it, if there was anything left over from the Trailblazers Media Day that you wanted to touch on or you wanted to discuss. Because I, I know, like, it felt, you know, one of the most important ones we ended on with Dame, and it was like, all right, we got three minutes to talk about Dame. Go. So was there anything left over that you wanted to touch on with? that or anything that maybe Norman Powell had come out and said, or, or, or Larry Nance or anybody else that we didn't necessarily get to discuss. Actually, no, like, I feel like we, we hit the highest points. I mean, to me, the only lasting question that just keeps reverberating is Norman Powell really going to appreciate having a new role. He's so excited. Yusuf Nurkic really going to appreciate a new role. He's so excited. I, 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 I'm a little confused as to where like all of this, like, increased usage is going to magically apparate from because yeah, you can use Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum differently, but there are not going to be unlimited touches. And frankly, if anyone has the ball besides Dame and to a lesser extent, CJ, it's probably going to be a slightly less efficient possession. Like even if Mm -hmm. you work your way there and like part of the logic is that by spreading the wealth that you get more efficient looks like I, it's not like I don't understand that. But that's the thing. I just keep thinking about that. It's like, wow, like they're really excited to have the ball more. It's like, how is this going to work? I don't know. So Dave Deckard uh, on the Dave and Dia podcast on their latest episode did a really good job of like questioning that. And it was something where I was like, oh, he's right. Where it's it's easier. Like if you think about what everyone said after the fact, instead of like our instant reactions of being caught up in the moment, you know, Nurk was talking about a lot more of the offense running through him yet. Then Larry Nance jr. Is talking about, you know, he can be a release valve when Damon CJ are getting trapped. Norm's talking about his increased role and his ability to get downhill. And then just so Dave pointed out like, Hey, you know, all these people are talking about all these different roles and all these different things that they're talking about and, and, and these pre camps and things they're excited about. But none of them work together. They're all different things. Like how is Larry Nance going to be an outlet valve? Um, if Damon CJ are getting blitzed and trapped so high up when apparently the offense is going to be running through Nurk. And if he's, and if Larry Nance is going to be this valve, well, Nurk's, standing in the middle of the paint, trying to be a pivot point. He's taken away that, you know, um, Norman Powell, his ability to drive. Well, if, if Larry Nance jr is cutting to the basket and, and, um, Yusuf Nurkic is, is standing there at the high post waiting, waiting to be an outlet. Uh, the, the paint is clogged. Nobody's cleared space for him to be able to get to the rim. So how, how are all these things that everyone's excited about going to work? And, and, and he did kind of touch on, you know, take everything you hear in media day with a grain of salt, because everything's rainbows and unicorns and everybody, all 30 teams are championship contenders because nobody's played a game and had to put it to practice yet. Yeah. And I, all of this to me, it kind of comes down to one thing. 
how okay are CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard giving up some of their offensive autonomy? And so far from what we have heard, the answer is that they're totally cool with it and they're excited for it. And that's great, but that's where it's going to have to come from. You can't really siphon more looks from Robert Covington and give them to Nurk and Powell. That's going to have to come from Damon CJ. That's the reality of it. And the other thing to think about too, um, for folks who've played basketball before, if you're there, are five people on the court, right? Five people would like to be involved in some way, shape or form. If you think about if maybe a couple of possessions are kind of dominated by one person, even if you spread out the other ones, you could go six or seven or even eight possessions and not really have the kind of opportunity or kind of look that you want as a player. And yes, there is something to, if you're just kind of passing more and moving more that you feel like you're more involved, even if you're not like the most integral part of that play or that set or that possession, but it can just take, it can, it's yeah. almost warriors esque where it's you, you saw possessions where, yeah, it's ending up with Steph Curry or, or, or clay Thompson, but everybody on the team touched the ball. Like is Zaza, that be- Zaza Pachulia was getting his touches, but <laughs> nobody's expecting him to be finishing the plays. And is that, I mean, is that the kind of thing that Nurkic and Powell or Powell are talking about? Like, maybe it is, maybe that's like, just that is going to make them feel better and more involved. But uh, so anyway, yeah. So that was the only thing I had other than that. I thought we covered it pretty well, but what about you? any lasting thoughts? Nope. Just, just those kind of like after realizations, you know, the other thing too, is, you know, now training camp started. So you're getting all the videos. I think I saw the one today where mm. Dame would drained like eight, eight half court shots in a row. And, and it's like, ah, leagues on fire for one. I hate empty open gym videos. They are all stupid. Nobody's guarded. It's not a game time situation. Like, yes, it's impressive from Dame. I'm giving him that, but can we stop lighting the world on fire when we're seeing guys shoot unguarded from half court? Like these are all professional basketball players. <laughs> Damn near. I put Nurk there and I'm fairly certain he could make a, like five of those in a row, but we're not going to want him to be taking that in game time. To be Other fair, thing, to- just overreactions from training camp. I just always find fantastic because again, it's, it's the beginning of the season. Nobody's played a game yet, not even a preseason game. And so everything's unicorn and in rainbows and everybody wants to overreact and be like, Oh, this is great. This is fantastic. This is, this is so different than what we've seen before. And this is our year. And yeah, that's great. But to like, with your point, how much buy-in are you, if how much buy-in per se, are you going to get is Chauncey going to be able to convince Dame to, Hey, let's, you know, maybe I'm going to cut your minutes back two minutes a game. And I'm going to take, you know, five touches away from you a game and let's kind of spread this out. Well, if they find themselves down in a game, are they going to stick to that principle or is it going to go back to Dame hero mode? Because that's nine years of what we've seen from him. And for as much as people want to criticize Stotts for like the quote unquote Dame save us offense, there is the mentality of a superstar on a team to save their team. Like you're not the Lakers looking at a must win game and wanting the ball in anybody else's hands but LeBron James or Anthony Davis, you're, you weren't sitting there going, oh, well, damn it. Why is LeBron hogging the ball? Why isn't he feeding Kuzma? You know, so yeah. there is an aspect to like, you have to get the players to change their mentality and cha- and get their buy-in. And maybe Stotts wasn't able to as much, but we'll find out this year how much of that was Stotts not being able to convince Dame versus Dame just being very hard-headed and stubborn and going, this is what I'm here for.
a couple things there. One, to be fair, with the Damian Lillard video, him hitting a bunch of super long threes. This isn't like a Ben Simmons open gym mixtape. This is just <laughs> Damian Lillard demonstrating what we know he can do, what he's already done in game. So to me, this is less of like, wow, look at that. And more like Dame being Dame. Like, that's pretty neat. Like, that's how I took it. And then second, more to your point about getting people to buy in. Well, first of all, Ryan, that sounds to me like possibly a variable that we might have when we're trying to make season predictions. We'll set that piece aside. But yeah, I I think that for me as a fan, I will admit that I am feeling a little more optimistic against my better judgment question mark. I don't know, because we have a vacuum of information because we have a new coach. We don't know what his system is going to look like. Chauncey Billups has coached exactly zero NBA games. He was an assistant for one year. But what we have so far, the things that he has talked about, the things that the other players have talked about all kind of hit on many of the concerns that we had of the Blazers under coach Stotts. And so in this mm-hmm. vacuum of data, in this absence of seeing what it looks like when you're playing, all you have to go off of is what people are saying, right? What people show from yeah. camp. You have these like snippets of videos of CJ McCollum grabs the rebound and outlets it to Norm Powell who, or to Nas Little who like pushes it for the layup. And meanwhile, you see Yusuf Nurkic is like trying to like show at the three point line, then recover back to the basket and then try to keep up on the fast break. And it's like, that looks pretty cool in practice, but like, how's that going to work over 82 games? And we don't know. And that's okay not to know. Um, But feeling somewhat optimistic, I think, is natural because the things that are being talked about are the right things, which, by the way, I mean, that is good. You could come into this season with a new coach who's identifying like what we think to be the wrong things like that was a possibility. Right. Like, let me just say this. I'm glad that we don't have Jason Kidd as a coach. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, they're going to play Porzingis at power forward. Like, good luck with that. Like, I just anyway, whatever. But speaking of, I, I find it funny that since Jason Kitt, like Vegas has not adjusted their over under win total predictions uh-uh. for the Mavs at no, all. They have they're, not. Still, they're still sitting at 48 and a half. I mean, if you're asking me <laughs> what I'm expecting from the Mavs, I'm putting them in like the eighth or ninth spot. They're, they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot in my mind. If you, we could actually, I have the odds here, um, up on my what? screen, which is, by the way, I'm going to keep plugging this, the thing that doesn't yet exist. I'm going to be writing a piece about my season prediction for the Blazers, which is something we're going to talk about today. But in that, I put the current odds for the Western Conference. If you were to flip, Ryan, the odds or the um, the predicted season wins outcome for Dallas and Portland. They have Dallas at 48 and a half, like you said, and Portland at 44 and a half. Well, so you real quick, you're pulling from Oregon lottery. You want to yes. go with the local. Okay. The one so, that, so was I, by the way, I put my money where my mouth is. I put a hundred bucks on the Blazers over 44 and a half. So anyone who's trying to come at me from the Neil Olshay fan club saying, Oh, you're only pessimistic. You know what? Time to zip it because I put a hundred bucks on it. I want the Blazers to do better than this. And I think that they will, but yeah, I, if you, uh, if you flip, I, was, I wasn't that optimistic. I, I, I spread my money out. So I'll take a hundred bucks for my blazers betting, but I'll spread that out. And, and I always go for the long shots. I, I do the Dame MVP. I felt super good about that for a little while last year. Do you enjoy setting your money on fire? Or? But I'll, I'll spread it out. I'll take 25 bucks a piece. I'll go Dame MVP blazers to win the championship blazers to win the Western conference. And I normally end up picking the over on their window. Do you want to come over to my house and just put your money in my toilet and then hit the flush button? 
No, because there's not a possibility of me hitting the flush button and it's spewing more money at me. You've never been to my house. Sometimes you flush and money starts shooting out. But the, the, OK, <laughs> the point is that if you flip where they have Dallas and Portland, then I don't know why I'm putting it this way. They have Portland basically at eighth right among all these different teams. We can yeah. talk about the odds, but just to kind of close the loop um, in the it, it, before we see it on the court. All we have to go off of is what we hear. And I like what I'm hearing. I think that that's fair. So there I, there's some that I like that I'm hearing, you know, they're talking, I did have an eye roll, you know, it's, it's coming out that the Blazers have completely readjust or retooled the way that they guard the pick and roll. And you're hearing quotes yeah. from Nurk and Rocco going, it's, this is game changing. I love it. And I'm like, so you're not going to drop like if that it was simple option, we all could have told you change the way you guard the pick and roll and it's don't drop the big. Uh, so I, I also find it fascinating that players, well, wait, are, well, what's your issue that, with that though? Well, no, it's just my issue with it is that I find it fascinating when players talk about certain things like this, because they are every, every single one of those people on that court has forgotten more about basketball than I will ever know. Yes. And so it's entertaining to me that, they make it sound like it is now an inventive and brand new way that nobody has ever seen before. And they're going to revolutionize how pick and roll defense is done in the league for them. It is revolutionary. I took it more as we are given permission to do this. That's how I took it. You mean Nurk doesn't have to go rogue anymore? God, that right. was stupid, well, but anyways. And wait, wait, really quick. Also, Nurk has got to be in shape. Coach Billups said that, said that he's in good but not great well, shape. Well, he, lo he looked cut. He, he looks really way good. better at media day than he walked in last year. He totally does, but that's what Billups is saying, which again, like a lot of what I'm hearing, I like where he's like, for Nurkic to play defense this way, and I talked about that clip from practice, like, he has to be in really, really good shape. I, so I, I admit, like, I'm a little doubtful of whether Nurkic has the, like, sustained mobility and endurance to actually play that way full time. Mm -hmm. But if he can, that's great. But, I, you know, I, I had always assumed that part of the reason why the Blazers played the way that they do with their centers is, like, look at the centers that they've had. They've had, what, uh, Robin Lopez, Mason Plumley. Uh, Hassan Whiteside, Yusuf Nurkic, Ennis Cantor, that there was like a very pretty a straight throughput of like, oh, like none of those guys are like super mobile on defense, like end of story. But if what Nurkic is saying is like, hey, I want to play that way. I think I can play that way. Then yeah, to what Coach Billups said, it's like he's got to be in really good shape to do that. And I, I don't know. So yes. Yeah. By the way, a slight hat tip to Robin Lopez for the quote of all media days. <laughs> yes. I, I'm just going to give that to him. That was fantastic. Yeah, wanting to do his own research because he didn't see it. And I just want to think that that was an absolute direct shot at his teammate, Jonathan Isaac. Oh, it totally right, wasn't right at the bow. He was, he, and just to set it for people who didn't hear it, he was talking about, he was asked about his brother, Brooke Lopez, winning a title with Milwaukee. And Robin is like, well, you know, I actually, I didn't, I didn't see it the way his voice is. I didn't actually yeah. see it. You know, I, 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 I'm kind of doing my own research, you know, like, I guess I'm going to have to do my own research and maybe just figure out if that's actually what happened. Cause I didn't see it. And yeah, to your, yeah, he's definitely taking a shot as his teammate. It's great. I love it. Good <laughs> yeah. job. So good job, Rolo. <laughs> other, other thing that, uh, kind of came out and I think I want to give credit where credit's due. I think it was Jason quick of the athletic. I don't know. I still don't have an athletic subscription because I subscribed to too many things already. Um, that Anthony Simons is now officially considered the Blazers backup point guard. Yes. A and I'm just going to say, take one of the best catch and shoot 
players in the league last year, definitely one of the best ones on our team and put him in non catch and shoot positions. I still maintain Anthony Simons is not a point guard. If Chauncey now, well, great, wait a minute. If, if anybody's going to turn somebody uh, like a, a combo guard into a true point guard, I'm probably going to give the nod to it being a hall of fame championship winning point guard, like Chauncey Billups that can teach him the ways. I don't know. I still want to just beat the, beat the dead horse of that. The Blazers need a legit vet backup point guard. So uh, you're putting um, me in this really awkward position of like continuing to be optimistic, but I believe what they actually said in that story. Part of it was like, Simons was like, look, when I was in on the second unit, I was often playing with Carmelo Anthony. And so the extent of my being able to handle the ball and run the offense was like, (laughs) give it it to Melo. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, (laughs) Think about like, and I, I think that, I mean, the usage rate shows that that was true, right? Carmelo Anthony, yeah. when he was on the court, he commanded a, an enormous amount of offensive attention. Um, and, and so if the alternative is that Anthony Simons is doing something else other than just like, here you go, Melo, like that could be any number of things. And I'm, you know, yeah. I'm fine with it. So, um, okay. Yeah. Is there anything else before we want to get in this predictions conversation? Cause I can't wait. Uh, we've been teasing. Yeah. Oh God. No, no, <laughs> nothing really. There's nothing. Uh, I guess a little bit of, uh, Ooh, uh, hold on real quick, real quick. I got something real quick. I got uh, open uh, the tickle. I got it. It's in the tickle trunk. No, God stuff, damn it. So no just more tickle me, trunk oh, stuff. I swear to God. It's so uh, weird. Right. I just, it's the only thing I'm taking out. There we go. The tickle trunk is closed. This is the only thing coming out of the tickle trunk. Uh, the Blazers exercise, exercise the, uh, the fourth year rookie option on Nas and, uh, they're in talks. I believe, I believe they're in currently in talks with Anthony Simons to, uh, to pick up his option or get no rookie extension. Um, so they picked up the fourth year option on Nas. They're in talks with Simons for the rookie extension. And I think the deadline on that is, uh, October 18th, but, uh, that, that is all I'm pulling out of the tickle trunk of topics. So don't worry. I will not mention the tickle trunk trunk of topics anymore. Thank you. I think the the Simons thing will be interesting because Simons won't be able to demonstrate, you know, where his growth is before that deadline comes. I don't know who his agent is, but I think, you know, are they going to want to negotiate an extension right now? If you were to lock in what he's done so far, I would think the Blazers as an organization are probably very anxious to lock him in at whatever that number is rather than, you know, whatever he may do this season. If he is going to play an outsized role, he's only 22 years old. He shot over 40% from three. He's gotten bigger. Ostensibly the NBA game is slowing down for him and his head. Like I expect Simons to be a better player this year than last. I don't think that's a hot take at all. Yeah. So live fact checking Bill Duffy of sports management. So not clutch. Okay. Well, I mean, Bill Duffy is a known quantity clutch gets a lot of attention and yes, like, especially now that you look at what's happening with Ben Simmons in Philadelphia and boys that just, I mean, all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, Joel Embiid lost eight, $8.25 million. I doesn't, doesn't sound like he cares. Well, Which good for him. What, I mean, did you hear what the team is doing? He didn't technically lose it. They're, they're just they, not paying him. Yeah, they they deferred it. They put it in an escrow account. They took that because how his contract is structured, he gets fifty percent of his salary for the year before the season starts. So I think back in August, he got a, an eight some odd million dollar check, and then it's like when training camp starts is when he gets the other eight million, and then I think throughout the season, then it's like the weekly paychecks or whatever. But they took this payment and put it in an escrow account. Yeah. And then any fines that they're going they'll to give to him, they'll pull from that. I think that's fair. I think that's 
that's this is I so in my view this is fair on both fronts. Like he's under contract, he doesn't want to play. You don't get paid, and I, I think that's fair. Some people yeah. have opined that oh, he's breaking his word. He signed this contract, and I understand that. But I, I fundamentally think that the the balance of power needs to be tipped more towards players because the players yeah. make the league. And if team if teams can just up and trade anybody anytime they want for to make the team better and quote unquote, break their word and break a contract by moving that contract to another place, then players should have the ability to want to kind of force their hand. Now there is a difference between doing that tactfully and doing it like a little bitch. And I think Simon's just doing it like a little bitch. Simmons or Simmons. Uh, Sorry. I'm sorry. Anthony. my, my, I'm a little bit more nuanced on it where it's like, I can, I can see why trading someone is contractually consistent. Whereas what Simmons is doing is not, but to me, it's it's a broader argument about if you want to push the balance of power, then you need to push against what the current structures are in order to make change happen later. So what we saw with Jimmy Butler, what we saw with James Harden, what we're seeing now with Ben Simmons, what we saw with Anthony Davis, all of this, like I'm going to sit out or pout or make a stink about it until I'm traded. This is a reflection that the players fundamentally want there to be a different, more flexible system in order for them to have more flexibility and more say. And when they get to play at what city, I think the trade off in the next collective bargaining agreement, the next CBA is probably going to be something like, all right, you want more flexibility? Well, no more guaranteed money like that's going to be a fight between the players and the owners. That's but that we don't have to worry about that right now where you get to like the NFL model. Hey, real quick. uh, How does your your thing of that? There should be a push for more player empowerment fall with the, uh, the, the, uh, I think now the 5% of the league that is sitting unvaccinated. And, you know, we kind of joked a little bit about the, uh, uh, Jonathan Isaac thing, but you know, like with what Kyrie and, you know, uh, Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Isaac, like with where they stand, I think what's it, what's it now? So if it's 5%, I think we're, we're talking grand total, like 20 to 23 players in the league that, that probably even are, less are at not, this point. yeah. So, but what's your stance with that? Because a lot of people do equate that, that kind of thing to the player empowerment stuff. Yeah. I mean, if we weren't in a global pandemic with a highly contagious disease, maybe I'd feel a little bit different about it. Right. That's, that's the difference is that we're living in an era right now where we have this thing that can harm people that can kill people. It's been overwhelming our hospitals. Uh, you can look at data, you can look at anecdotes. I mean, one thing I'll say without giving too much away is my, you know, my partner is a doctor and she was telling me, Again, I'm trying to be mindful of not sharing too many details here. Uh, nurses and doctors are stressed at this point mm-hmm. because of COVID. They're asking people to work outside of their regular shifts. Their ICUs are more than full still as of right now. And not to go too far into the details again, but like a hospital like OHSU, it's the largest hospital in Oregon. They have different kinds of ICUs for different kinds of care they provide. They have a medical ICU or a trauma ICU. Like if you're in a car accident, they have a cardiovascular ICU. ICU if you need, you know, heart surgery, and then they have a, a neuro ICU if you have, um, you know, brain issues. And they have different kinds of doctors and nurses that staff those ICUs because they've specialized in those kinds of medicines, right? So when your medical ICUs are now full of people who have COVID, which they are, and when more than 95% of the people in there are unvaccinated, which they are, it puts stress on the rest of the system, stresses out the nurses and doctors, and takes away resources from people who need them. So if you and 
I get hurt, there is a chance that we will either get diminished care or be cared for by somebody whose medical expertise is not that from which we're suffering. So my point, Ryan, is that devil's advocate, that's the hospital's fault because they decided to fire and lay off all this, all their staff. So it's, it's not, it's not COVID's fault. It's not, it's not not COVID's fault. It's, it's the hospital's fault because they put in these vaccine mandates and they tried to force everybody. And so then everybody wasn't vaxxed. They had to get rid of everybody. So it's not actually that (laughs) the hospital beds are too full. It's that the hospital fired too many people. Uh, well, that is factually incorrect. There's a very, very hey, small number hey, of people. Do your own research. That's what it's wow. out there. I'm, I'm. By the way, I'm I know that. Faci- I know that you're facetious with all you're, this. You're, you're joshing, but the, and so I guess to, to your point, though, my answer is with player empowerment or with any personal choice where we're living in society, the more that that personal choice affects other people or affects the public, it becomes less and less of a personal choice. And so for me, stuff like getting a free, safe vaccine in order to protect yourself pretty strongly from having serious effects from COVID or even from getting it in the first place, that's the least they can do. And by the way, there's one more element of this where you have arena staff, security, fans who are either required to be vaccinated or they've gotten vaccinated. And these are the people that don't have millions of dollars to fall back to. Some of these people don't have health care at all. They're providing for their family. So if they get sick and they can't work, they're screwed in a way that Draymond Green isn't. He's comparing COVID to people getting pregnant. Shut the fuck up. I, I seriously, Wait, like I missed that. I missed that. What? I, 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 I'm not even, I'm so angry about that. And then LeBron James is like, yeah, go Draymond. Like you guys got to shut the fuck up. Seriously. Like, so, Again, like fundamentally, my stance on most things as it comes to like public health or politics, if it affects other people, the more and more it affects other people and the more seriously it affects them, the less it is a personal choice. So at any rate, yeah. um, But that's I mean, while you do your research on the Draymond Green stuff, I really don't want to give too much airtime to that. I probably shouldn't have said anything. Let's talk about the Blazers. Let's talk about Uh predictions. Unless okay, do you want to, I don't know. It's, nope, it's up to you. Nope. Take predictions. So okay, we've, been, we've been, we've been teasing this for a while. <laughs> yes, and we have. And anybody who's followed any of my ribbing of you on, on Twitter, when you famously came out and put your prediction ranges and that I think the Blazers are going to win this many games. But if this happens, I think this many games. And if this happens this many games, and I told you, damn it, pick a number because how I feel about predictions before you offer your rebuttal, because you have pre-planned probably 14,000 words right now for it. (laughs) I'm just going to start reading my friend. (laughs) How I look at predictions is, you know, I'm going to, try to boil this down simply. I, I take everything into account. I do. I, I take talent. I take, you know, is there an in, a strong injury history? You know, what's the coaching? I, I take all these things, strength, of schedule, amount of road games, all that, you know, I, I'll look at the whole season schedule and be like, man, you know, this stretch in the end of the year, that's really tough when they're going to be gassed and heading into the playoffs. How do I think that's going to affect them versus, you know, looking at the Blazers schedule this year, a lot more home games to start, you know, a little bit easier of a time, but that's also when they're going to be implementing all this stuff. Are they going to be able to get off to a hot start or or are they going to falter? You know, I take all that into account. And then I just say, okay, what do I reasonably think with all those things? What do I think is just a baseline 
this many games. And, you know, so I'll, 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 I kind of do take the Vegas number into account to start as we referenced before, you know, 44 and a half. Do I think the Blazers are capable of winning 44 and a half games? Yes. Everybody admits that there was coaching flaws. There were roster flaws last year and they won more than 44 and a half games last year with less games to play. So I, I do the think equivalent that, yes, of in a shortened season. Yeah. I think the equivalent of was 48 games okay, is yeah. what they won last year yeah. um, or something like that. So um, yes, I do think that they can reach that benchmark this year. So then I look and go, okay, you know, how do I feel about the balance? How do I feel about the talent? How many more wins or less wins than 48 do I think that they can do? And that's where I come to my predictions where I have an issue with how you have been posing your predictions to people is that you have been slightly reluctant to make a firm hardline stance on there is this number and no other number. You keep wanting to throw out ranges. And in my mind, I'm like, if you want to take all those variables take them and come with one number, you know, people famously do that whole thing before the super bowl. We played this matchup 10,000 times on Madden. We simulated the games this many times in our computer system. And this is the score that we think, and this is the winners we think. So all I'm asking you to do with your predictions, take all of that and have the balls to stand by one number and one number only. I have some very disappointing for you uh, news for you, Ryan. Um, I have done that and I've been doing that for over, but a you week. throw the caveat in. You say, I think the blazers can win. What your number was 48, right? Why are we? We said we're going to no, leave no, no. that to the you, end. No, no, you, no, no, you, no, no. We're going to leave the prediction. It's, to the end. It's, it's on Twitter. It's on Twitter. You've put it oh, in writing. Right. I'm, I'm the only one who has not yet put my prediction, which I have made on my blazer tag podcast. I have just been holding off releasing. I'm actually, that, so no, 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 you know what? You I'm, I'm marking the time. What's the time right now? I'm going to bleep that out. I don't want people to know what my prediction is. Yeah, it's on Twitter, but you're listening to the podcast now. We're watching us on YouTube or you're reading the article on. We like the blazers.com 37 <laughs> minutes. Uh, okay. I'm not going to say okay. what my prediction is, but right. let me, t- let me tell you this. Hold on. Uh, All right. I, I've put my prediction out there and it's there for people to see. And then and, you put qualifiers. Well, and, yeah. And yeah. Other well, okay. So uh, I got to type this in um, 37 minutes bleep out Ryan being an asshole. Uh, okay. So <laughs> how, how that sentence doesn't make it into more edit notes. Just baffles me. <laughs> so let me, let me start here. I will start by repeating some of what you said, but kind of reframing it a little bit. What I heard you say when you develop your predictions, the, the you talked about how you think about it. You started with some variables, Ryan. You started mm-hmm. with strength of schedule. Um, you look at other things. I just want to share with folks when I'm thinking about any basketball team, right? What are the things that I think about? Uh, and there's actually one important twist to this too, that basketball, I don't know if any of us knew this, is a team game and it's a competitive game game. Basketball is not golf or disc golf. It's not something that you are trying your best and then you compare your best to others. The result of a basketball game is directly impacted by your opponents. That is a very important part of this, which makes it all the more tricky to predict. So when I think about Mm -hmm. if I'm going to develop a prediction, how do I do that? Here are my variables. And the first one is kind of the players and the talent on the team. That kind of floats over all of it. So you look at, okay, you have Dame and CJ and Norm and Nance and who these players are and what they can contribute kind of floats over all of these other variables that include Mm -hmm. injuries, 
So if people are going to get injured, if, especially if you have players like Cody Zeller, like Larry Nance, who have an, a, a history of being injured every single Yusuf year. Yusuf Nurkic. Yusuf Nurkic. That's part of it. Okay. That's that injuries are available, uh, mm-hmm. uh, variable rather development. So in this case, specifically Anthony Simons, Nas Little, are they going to get better as players? The player that they were last year, is that the same as this year? Maybe, maybe not. So that's a development's part of it. Coaching is certainly part of it, right? You take all these pieces, how they fit together. You ask them to do stuff. You know, is your scheming good? But the the biggest one is, can you get people to buy into your vision and all pull in the same direction? So coaching is part of it. The fit that the players have and the role that they play, that's part of it too. Because this isn't 2K. This isn't a video game. These players have egos. They have preferences. You mean mean I can't go in and just crank all their skills up to 99 and call it good? No, you also can't turn the injury slider off. So again, that's why I think injury is actually a super important part of this so you have the role and the fit and then the last one that i had is like other teams so every other team in the league will have the same combination of variables that mm-hmm. will then spit out how well they're going to do which guess what impacts how well the blazers are going to do so to review my variables are after the team and the players injuries development coaching the fit and then other teams, right? And so that's what brings me then to these Vegas odds. And so I'll, I'll pause there. What do you think about that? That's how, if I'm, you're asking Brandon, how do I get to a prediction, whether it's a range or a number, those are my variables. What do you, is that reasonable? Did I miss something? Is that too much? Like, what do you think about that? I know it's not perfect, but what do you think? That, that's reasonable. I guess just the only issue that I have is that it seems like you want to, in some of your predictions and how, how you've presented them per se to the, uh, to the adoring public of, of the, we like the Blazers the adoring podcast. public and, of one. Thanks mom. Yeah. <laughs> hey, my kids are into this now too. So yes. I, I, I got at least two more views on That's there. Great. So, and, but, uh, <laughs> did we ever figure out the Google? Are we back on Google? So yeah, quick caveat, I, I, don't, did, so, yeah. I don't think people need to hear this, but yeah, it appeared on like every podcatcher except for Google podcast. And then by the time I emailed them, it was there. So ah, okay. I texted you and let you know it was there. Okay. I, I probably ignored there that. There was no like explanation for what the delay texts. was. So anyway, yeah. All right. But I, I feel as though like taking all those things into account that you do want to put separate baskets and you're like, Hey, if they aren't healthy, then I think this many wins, you know, Hey, if, if this happens, then I think this many wins as opposed to, I feel as though you need to just pick one number and stand by it and not even mention any other numbers. The other numbers are part of your thought process. Like you're creating your own win total range, but then you should be picking just one number out of that. That's fine. I mean, and I did that weeks ago, but my but point again, you always mentioned the other numbers. If you did that, then you leave everything else out. Nothing. I like come to into show the conversation. my math. I like to show ah. my math. So I like to show. No, see, people think about can find it. flaws in it then. Think about it this way, too. So for all those variables, and maybe for people listening, they have a different variable. You think about, well, how likely is it that people get injured, especially like certain players, right? How likely is it someone will develop? How likely is it that the coaching will be good? How likely is it people will fit together? How likely is it that, you know, X team in the Western Conference will do well and make it harder on the Blazers? For all of those things, in my mind, in our minds, you can think, well, this is the most likely for that one. 
but it wouldn't surprise me if it fell here, right? Then you go to the second one. This is the most likely for that one, but it wouldn't surprise me if it fell here. And so you do get a range, Ryan. You get this mushy kind of amorphous range where, you know, and some of these tug on the others, right? Where it's like, if the coaching isn't good, maybe the development won't come along. Or if there are not very many injuries, then maybe there are actually more problems with role and fit because there's not enough space opened up to allow other people to breathe. But it, it's 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 an imprecise thing. We're trying. We're humans trying our best to predict something that has way too many variables to predict. Because when you think about this, just for the Blazers, now do that for twenty nine other teams. It gets mm-hmm. immensely complex very quickly. And so that's why I do appreciate having a range of. It wouldn't surprise me if it fell here on this side. It wouldn't surprise me if it fell here on the other side. But before we get more into that, can I really quickly tick down? the odds from the Oregon lottery, uh, the predicted win totals, just so people know kind of where the betting odds are for the Western conference specifically. I actually have that list going right in front of me too. So you just want to tack off, uh, what they got one through let's do one through 10 for the, uh, where they start in number one seed, give that team their win totals and then all the Great. way down to 10. Yeah. Do you have, you have that full list in front of you? Yeah. And I, I don't mean to like discuss these too much, right. These this second, but I just kind of want to, it's, it's good to give the context right. of where the blazers fall in the overall landscape. Right. So according to the betting odds right now, the top of the Western conference will be the Lakers 52 and a half. Okay. I mean, <laughs> well, think about this. I mean, I, I said, I didn't want to talk Lakers, too much about it. Dude, I don't care. The Lakers ain't land landed number one. One. Dude, there are I, two, I'm putting the lake. I'm putting the Lakers at six. There are two. That. There are two variables to the Lakers that I think are very important. We've, one is injuries, right? AD has been injured quite often. LeBron James is getting older. They have a lot of really old players, Ryan. And the second Stop, one. Hold on. They have a lot of old players for the league. Can we add that clarifier on it? Sure. It makes us feel really fucking old being there. You know what? It's it's a, I've, I've resigned myself at this point. It's totally fine. They have old players. I'm not going to put a caveat on it. You can, if you want, it's whatever we're talking about the makes NBA. It's in the context of the NBA. And the other one is the role and the fit, right? Again, mm-hmm. like, is Russell Westbrook really going to work with this group? Maybe he will. Is he going to really buy in and be off ball cutting? And I keep hearing this on tons of national podcasts. Like Russell Westbrook could be the greatest off ball cutter of all time. He's literally never done it in his entire career. Maybe hey, that, ties, not- that ties into what I said about Dame. How much buy-in are you going to get from Dame to give up shots or do things differently and whatnot? So this, everyone's just taking a skill set that Russell Westbrook has and is assuming that he's now going to be the greatest at it. Right. So for this one, I mean, we just spent some time talking about it. 52 and a half wins. You could very easily see the Lakers getting fewer than that many wins based on they are old and they don't fit together. And if that happens, it makes the Blazers more likely to do a little bit better. Right. So mm-hmm. Think about all of this stuff for all of these teams. In the, in second place, you have the Phoenix Suns, 51 and a half. I think that's pretty reasonable, frankly. I mean, they did well last regular season, and they made it to the final, so I'm not too shocked by that. Uh, tied for second are the Jazz, 51 and a half. Same thing. Great mm-hmm. regular season team. They're healthy going into it. They're relatively young. Doesn't surprise me. Here's where I do get surprised. At number four, they have the Mavericks at 48 and a half. We already talked about it. That, to me, seems very high, yep. especially because their coach is Jason Kidd, who is not demonstrated that he's a good NBA coach. Um, I, I don't care how well respected he is by players. He's he, uh, Reed, he goes places and lights franchises on fire. 
Right. I, I mean, re- read Mirren Fader's book about Giannis and the sections on Jason Kidd and, and tell me that he's going to be a great coach for them. And again, they, oh, they want to play Porzingis a power forward. Good luck. I, that, that, I don't think that's going to work, but sure. Um, mm-hmm. Then they have the Nuggets and the Warriors tied at fifth with 47 and a half wins. The Warriors, the big question mark is when, when does Clay Thompson get back, right? Uh, Quick caveat, the Warriors actually opened up at 48 and a half. They've been bet down to 47 seven and a half. So fair enough. I mean, that's, that's pretty close, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the nuggets kind of the same thing where they're waiting. They're going to be waiting for Jamal Murray to get back. Um, I don't think he's well, going to be back. They have NBA superstar, Michael Porter jr. Inked to a deal. I don't know if you saw that from TMZ. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, he, I can't believe how much money they gave him. At least that they put some pretty tough to, to reach um, incentives on the entire contract. So he'll probably get less than what was reported, but yeah, I have fun with that, Denver. I, I mean, that's someone else who, like Michael Porter Jr., has the, the reddest of red flagged injury histories. And, like, to, to see him maybe not be able to continue his NBA career at some point wouldn't be the biggest shocker. Um, then after that, at seventh, they have the Clippers at 45 and a half. That would be without Kawhi Leonard, although we had some reporting today that he's ahead of schedule. I'll believe that when I see yeah. it. I think they're going to take this sweet Kawhi, time with him. The ultimate careful man. If he's got a headache, he's not playing. Mm-hmm. So I just don't think, I don't think it's likely, but then again, they look pretty good with Paul George and Paul George looked better than he maybe ever has in his career near the end of last season. So maybe, yeah. uh, and then in eighth, uh, you have the humble Portland trailblazers at 44 and a half, uh, you know, spoiler alert. I think that's too low. Um, and it's a good betting line. I'll give him that. Anybody, anybody, because so one of the things to think about too, with when these numbers originally came out and when this list was made for one, the, there wasn't as much focus on, um, the issues of, um, players playing that aren't vaccinated. I mean, I think over in the East, they have the Brooklyn nets at, at 56 and a half wins, uh, being number one in the East, uh, that is obviously going to take a massive hit. If Kyrie Irving is not playing in 41 plus games and whatever, you know, a year. So there, there are certain caveats with this, but I, I think the Blazers, as far as a betting perspective goes, 44 and a half, maybe 45 and a half. That's a good line to get people to kind of think about it. You're going to get a lot of people that are going to, or that still are in the camp that the Blazers are going to fall off and Dame's going to be traded. Sure. We'll take the under, but you're also going to get a lot of us Portland, you know, optimists that are going to say, Oh, easy. That's the over slam it. Yeah, I, the, yes, I think it's okay. Um, probably, well, really quick to round out the top 10, you have Memphis at 41 and a half and then New Orleans at 39 and a half. Um, New yeah, Orleans, New Orleans I slam the under, I think New Orleans got functionally much worse. And I think stuff with Zion is not going well there at all. No, um, no, so I would take the under. The other five teams, Sacramento, Minnesota, San Antonio, the Rockets and the Thunder, we don't have to worry about their I th- I think that they're irrelevant. Maybe I'll end up being wrong, but fine. So those are your top 10 between 52 and a half and 39 and a half wins is where these everyone is slotted. My biggest surprises are Dallas. I don't quite understand. Um, I think they're being pretty optimistic with the Clippers and the Nuggets based on the fact that each of them have either their best or second best player who's going to be out for a large portion of the season. Uh but really, this is a this is a pretty you know other than a couple of things, it's not super surprising. But the yeah. point is, I want to reiterate this: when we are trying to then formulate our prediction for the Blazers, we have to think about all the variables right that we use 
to figure out what we think, how successful the team is going to be. And we kind of have to at least a little bit apply it to every single one of these teams. Mm -hmm. This is complex. This is why I give a range, Ryan, because if you just adjust a couple of these, you get two very different outcomes that are equally likely to happen. So that's, that's my point. That's the point with the ranges. So where do you want? I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to go on and on and on about my predictions, but I, I would like to get to them. I've bleeped out what my actual number is. We'll get to that later, but from the absolute worst case scenario to the absolute best case scenario to everything in between, is there somewhere that you want to start and kind of talk through it and just see if we agree that if the worst or the best were to happen that these are the things that would happen to lead to that do you, where do you want to start at the worst or the best or do you not care my my number my prediction will it, it lands on what the best case scenario is so what why that because if it's the best case scenario that i, I think just okay so maybe what, that wasn't the best way to word it hold on uh yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i retract that statement I retract okay good statement. i was gonna say like that I, doesn't make any sense yeah, I don't know. I just want to get to the point where I get a I get to make a bet with you and or challenge you to a bet and, and say my number. Okay, so I'll I'll I won't belabor the point. There will be a piece on we like the Blazers where I meticulously walk through my reasoning for my He's been working on it for a month and a half, folks. It's going to be finally, seventeen chapters, forty five thousand words. No, it's no, take no. A couple trips on the toilet to read it. No, <laughs> I, that's not true. Um, although I've been eating a lot of dried apples lately, and the next day those things fly out. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> that is a mental image I do not Yo! want. Okay. There will be a piece on We Like the Blazers oh. that goes through my reasoning for this stuff. And here's where I want to repeat this. The point isn't that I think that I am right. I am wrong all of the time. I'm very comfortable with that. That's okay. The point is that I want to lay out my reasoning for this stuff so that we can talk about it, evaluate it, think about it. Oh, did you think about this? Did you think about that? That to me, that's the fun of this stuff. Like the predictions are kind of useless because again, Chauncey Billups has coached zero games and all the other reasons we have no idea what's actually going to happen. It's fun to think through and then you can kind of true it up and see as things go along and adjust it for next year. Okay. So here is where I'm going to start then. Cause you don't seem to care. I will start with my absolute worst case scenario that I do not think is likely. So this would surprise me if this happened. Uh, this is what I call the, Oh shit. Dame is leaving option. And under this worst case scenario, the blazers end up with less than 40 wins. So somewhere in the thirties. So in this scenario, we talked about injuries, development, coaching fit, and other teams, everything mm -hmm. breaks the wrong way. You set the sliders on all of those to as bad as they could go. Um, you know, Coach Billups cannot get people to buy in. Nurkic isn't motivated. Norm Powell doesn't find a rhythm. Larry Nance doesn't fit. Simons and Little, they don't develop. Meanwhile, the rest of the West is thriving. The Lakers look really good, right? Like the Clippers are treading water without Kawhi. All of this stuff. So in this really worst case scenario that I don't think is going to happen, basically what would happen is the Blazers would be well under 500 before the All-Star break. And the NBA, actually, I, I Googled this. The NBA has not set the 2022 trade deadline, but it generally comes after the all-star break so if the blazers look really bad people have been injured maybe damon cj missed time Nurkic misses time all this stuff the rest of the west looks great the blazers under 500 and dame says 
that's it. Okay. Uh, all right. That's enough. Trade me. And the Blazers trade him for a bunch of future assets. Maybe they get rid of Nurkic. Uh, and the, the, the Blazers enter a rebuilding phase. It becomes a whole new era of Blazers basketball. And the Blazers end up with less than 40 wins. I don't think that's going to happen. But to me, that is how I would describe. Tell me your absolute worst, worst case scenario. That's how I describe it. So okay. tell me what about that you disagree with. Because that was a perfectly formulated opinion, right? You agree with everything, happened, right? If that happens and they end up with 40 wins, I don't necessarily see how they would have gotten to that point because less than that, 40. Okay, less than 40. That that's got to be a well under 40. Like they got to be struggling to push, you know, 32, 33 wins because otherwise for me the math doesn't check out for how they got they were so bad to get to that point for them to end up with anything more than 32 wins. You're right. I'm actually so seeing this I'm glad I haven't hit publish yet. I'm going to hit uh they end up with less than 35 wins because you're right if they're under 500 the all-star break yeah they're gonna get worse so um and and, i mean weird stuff happens right because keep in mind too if 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 dame if dame gets to that point cj's gone and nurk's gone you're trading those for picks well, because Nurk, Nurk's, Nurk's going Nurk's to be an expiring contract. So Nurk he's is valued. gone because he's yeah. easier to try. I think CJ's harder to trade. That's the problem. Well, CJ, at that point in time, you're not looking to trade him for an all-star a la Ben Simmons. No, you're just but, dumping him for a, a blue chip player in picks. Maybe, and picks. You're not, you're not going to get as much, but I, I think it's wholesale. The youth movement and Norman Powell is the only guy that's like pretty much stays next year. I, I so here's it's the rebuild funny, around Powell. I kind of agree, except by I, so the Blazers can't trade Powell for some period of time. I can't, I wish I knew the CBA better. The, the, I think CJ's harder to trade in this scenario. It's like bl- December 18th. It's X okay. number of months after the ink is dried on a contract. I think it's actually more likely that the Blazers would keep, but CJ would be the one to keep because he'd be harder to trade. His contract is huge. He's being, he's being paid very, very well. And he's not an all-tradable contracts in the last year have been moved so many times that I don't think there is such a thing. I don't think he's untradable. I'm just saying like, I no. I'm saying that the numbers wise numbers wise, you've, we've seen Russell Westbrook move twice. We've seen John wall moved. Yeah. I'm not saying CJ is untradable. I'm just saying he may not be traded because because he wouldn't command the value back that the Blazers as a rebuilding team would be comfortable with. Cause they you would, d- yeah, as a rebuilding team, you don't want a, no offense, a 30 year old guy making 30 plus million dollars to be the guy that you're trying to build around for the future. He'd De- be definitely he, not. He, he'd be traded. I just think it's, it's, it might it's, take some time. Would, yes. Yeah. So I, anyways, my point is that like, if, yeah, if that happened, like it wouldn't Nurkic would be traded, I think pretty quickly. I think that's easy yeah, to Nurkic, do. Nurkic, Roko, they're gone. Right. So anyway, the point is that that is what the absolute worst case scenario to me looks like. I don't think that that's likely. I'm not going to spend any more time thinking about it. I just think it's important to note that that's what I think mm-hmm. the absolute worst case scenario is. Okay. Are we, yeah. that's all right. Very good. Okay. Okay. Now that we're all depressed, let's, let's pivot. Let's swing the other way. Let's swing to the absolute best case scenario that I also don't think is very likely. Okay. This one, I call it the G's. They should have fired coach Stotts years ago scenario. The Blazers end up as one of the best teams. Sorry. And Eric, this segment's for you. Jesus Christ. (laughs) They 
This be, th- th- I say it, that with love. They know I like them. I know the, the the Blazers end up being one of the best teams in franchise history, and they wow. get they get somewhere around sixty wins. Okay, keeping in mind the, the Blazers have have had more than sixty wins one time in the entire yeah, franchise. End up 61. 60, 61. under Adelman. I think that was eighty nine ninety, if I'm not mistaken. I am fact checking this. Keep going. Might be 9091. Actually, that was the year that they didn't make the finals. The, 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 the best regular season team they had was the team that didn't make the final sandwich in between the two that did. Okay. So in this scenario, all the things that we talked about, Ryan, all those variables, right? The injuries, the development, mm-hmm. the coaching, the fit, other teams, all of those now break the correct way. Set all the sliders to the, well, maybe it's this way. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Windshield wiper hands. Hello. But everything breaks the right way. The Lakers look like shit. The Clippers look like shit. The Warriors look like shit. Denver looks like shit. Dallas. So the Western conference doesn't look nearly as good up and down as Ah, as I was right. 63 wins. That was the 90, 91 season where they lost in the Western conference finals. Well, okay. So I was half right about the fact they didn't make the finals, but you were correct about the win total. Good job. So the Blazers have only won 60 games one time in franchise history. So this absolute best case scenario would get them very close to that. Again, I don't think it's like, but everything breaks right way. The Western Conference is just not as good as anyone thought, kind of up and down the board. Uh, meanwhile, Coach Billups, everything we're hearing about and talking about, he's gotten everyone to buy in. Nurkic is in shape. He's motivated. Norm Powell's kicking ass. Damian Lillard's playing off the ball. He's playing fewer minutes. He has more energy on defense. Holy shit. So does CJ McCollum. Anthony Simons and Nas Little. Oh, my God. They're developing. Look at how well Larry Nance fits. Oh, my God. We're freaking out. Everything works. Okay. This mm-hmm. is like the delusional optimist blazers fans orgasm is what this is okay so i don't expect this to happen but if literally everything there broke the right way Mm -hmm. then yes the blazers might end up with around 60 wins but again i don't think that this is likely i don't think this is likely at all i'm not really spending any more time thinking about this other than just kind of noting it so yeah um is that is that does that seem fair that seems fair okay all right so now we're, we're going to narrow it in a little bit. Let's go back now the other way. This is a little bit of a, a mood swing type of deal. Reasonable worst case scenario. This is where we get into where you were. How many categories are in here? Five. <laughs> yeah, so it's a five point coffee. scale. You talk. I'll, I'll be back. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's a five. Show me that Dwight Schrute pillow. This is a, it's a five point scale. Okay. <laughs> what well, that could just be, you know what? That's think, an accurate description of my face right now. Okay. That's a good. Dwight's a great co-host. I love it. This is a five point scale. This isn't actually that complicated. We've seen five point scales. How satisfied are you, right? How likely are you to recommend this to a friend? Like not at all likely, kind of likely eh, somewhere in the middle, pretty likely, very likely. That's all this is, right? It's a five point scale from the absolute worst case to the absolute best case. We've done both of those two. Now we're going to narrow it a little bit to reasonable worst case and reasonable best case. And then finally in the middle, you will have my prediction. It's basically the average of all cases. Is, it's what Ryan so desperately wants me to talk about. It's picking a number. We will get to that number. Okay. Reasonable worst case scenario. And this is where Ryan had such umbrage to my, the range that I kind of, I, I, I leaked out there on Twitter, which is this wouldn't surprise me 
this is what I call the we see glimmers, but nothing seems to stick option. Uh, and in this scenario, and Ryan's coming back with his coffee for those of you who are not watching on YouTube. I'll just Good repeat job, Dwight. that. He, he, Dwight did a great job. Uh, I'll just repeat that this one is the reasonable worst case. I call it the we see glimmers, but nothing seems to stick option. In this reasonable worst case scenario that would not surprise me, the Blazers win in the low 40s. So they come in a little bit under what these kind of Oregon Lottery or Vegas odds say. So maybe 40, 41, 42. In this case, we see glimpses. We have some injuries, right? Cody Zeller has has never played more than, what, like 60 games or something. And Mm -hmm. Larry Nance, kind of the same thing. So both of them miss like 25 to 30 games. That's a big chunk of time. Nurkic maybe misses 20 games. So the injuries are kind of within reason. Like Damon CJ been pretty, pretty um, reliable. And so in this reasonable worst case, they maybe have a a couple injuries, but nothing too, too, too harsh. Coach Billups is able to implement some of what he wants to but a lot of it's just not sticking like Nurkic isn't able to play that super flexible defensive style you know Nance shows how he can be useful but it doesn't feel consistent same thing for Powell and then for development you know Nas Little and Anthony Simons you see flashes like Anthony Simons is maybe a little bit better but it doesn't really functionally change anything Nas Little he can soak up some minutes but that's about it Mm -hmm. um so and then the Western Conference again, like the Lakers are looking pretty good. You know, again, the, the Nuggets uh, and, and the Clippers are treading water. The Warriors are treading water and the West in this reasonable worst case. The West basically feels like it's pretty strong and that mm-hmm. there are plenty of teams that are like multiple tiers above the Blazers. In this case, you know, the Blazers get wins in the low 40s. That wouldn't surprise me. I, I don't I don't totally expect this to happen right this is not my prediction but it wouldn't surprise me at all i mean you can definitely see how what i'm describing plays out what does that mean for damian lillard i mean i would think that after the season he would probably he'd probably be done after the season in this case but what do you think about that i mean that seems pretty reasonable too right like would that shock you if what i'm talking about would it shock you if that happened yes no it wouldn't i can tell that you're lying I can see it in your face. I'm you're trying a terrible to be a liar. contrarian. Well, I know, but you're bad at lying. It wouldn't no, surprise you. No, what you said makes perfect sense. It seems, as one may say, or title the the this section of their predictions reasonable. Exactly. So, reasonable worst case scenario. Okay, don't want to think about it, but it could, but it could happen. Swinging the other way. We're getting close to the predictions, Ryan. We're oh, almost thank there. God. <laughs> We have seven more categories. No, just kidding. Hang on, folks. Go get some coffee, too. Reasonable best case, okay? So this is where, again, like the reasonable worst case, reasonable best case, this is my range, right? This is where I wouldn't be surprised. So in a reasonable best case, I'm calling this the new system breathe life into the core option right uh in this shorten that do we have an acronym for that going yet i don't know maybe i'll play with it but the the point the point of the title was that like they needed a fresh coach for this core that's basically what this best case is a new voice a new voice episode four um so in this reasonable best case the blazers get a little over 50 wins 
Okay, 51, 52, 53. Mm -hmm. That would not surprise me. And again, I don't need to spend too much time on it, but ticking through all the things, the Western Conference, like a couple of those teams are talking about stumble a little bit or quite a bit, right? Um, So then the Blazers do relatively better compared to those other teams. Uh, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum embrace their new role under Chauncey Billups, who, by the way, is able to implement most of what he's been talking about. People mostly buy in. The injuries kind of stay away other than having you know a, a couple of, of stretches where you're missing some people there are no like major injuries or, or, or overlapping injuries so the Blazers mostly maintain their depth for most of the year uh, Nas Little and Anthony Simons both take a meaningful and noticeable step forward it doesn't mean that the world beaters but they become really good players in their role for what their role is you know Norman Powell and Yusuf Nurkic they're happy they like what they're doing Damon CJ or willing to give up those possessions the defense looks better and they're locked in uh and then they have some nights where things don't work out or whatever like that happens in any season but that's a reasonable best case and in that case again i think the blazers definitely could win in the low 50s that wouldn't surprise me in the least so you know that i mean those last two reasonable worst case and reasonable best case that's my kind of wouldn't surprise me range and i think that that's fair so before you give the number that you probably already forgot that you're going to bleep out i'm going to give you credit if you actually do bleep it out go and oh go i'm and going to it. no don't worry yeah i'm bleeping it out <laughs> so I, I literally wrote the timestamp so i could go back and find it really quick <laughs> for uh for now five years running over at over at blazer tag podcast which when we end this I, I got a caveat to talk about with that but for five years running we've always started the season by doing our season-long beer bet and it's we we bet on the we all take a guess on the win totals and we do it blind we've always done it to where we write our numbers down on a hat we have a a first number and then the only reason we have a secondary number is because we had one year where all three of us guessed the same number so we had to do a second (laughs) drawing that number was off the table so we all write down our numbers and we pick our numbers ahead of time so that there's no gamesmanship no nothing between anybody nobody trying to like find a goldilocks zone or something and go in blind and we draw it it's hey this person's name you know here's their win total and it's the win it's winner take all and what we put on the line is two two 12 packs of beer and then for our wives allowing us the grace to do the podcast on a regular basis a bottle of wine uh no more than twenty dollars for the uh for the winner's wife of their choosing red white whatever kind they want and it's winner take all i will say that for the five years we've done this i am the four-time champion wow. i am undefeated in every in in all of these must feel pretty proud of yourself huh now the one thing it's always hilarious because no matter how hard he has tried not to be ryan green always ends up with the lowest he <laughs> always gets the this many wins or less gets him the win and he has to root against himself to win the bet yeah so we did this this year it was the same way and for my prediction i'm going to i'm going to use this same number but what i want to challenge to you because i i do know you are trying to be a little bit healthier or whatnot so i'm not going to propose a beer bet to you i am going to borrow from the old days of uh, uh the rip city report and i'm going to put a sandwich bet on this right and i will specifically put because i've never been there and you have said oh, that say i should it. say the that words. i should try it. well I, it depends uh jojo 
Jojo! Yes! We are going to put... Very, gonna, very good food, by the way. We are going to put a lunch bet for, uh, for Excellent Jojo. Excellent posts too. Justin is the king of Twitter and Instagram shitposting, and he will admit that. He is an amazing, amazing yes. social media follower, by the way. He's and, the and owner of Jojo PDX. Yes, and when we when we do sponsor this, we, uh, without his permission, I am going to call <laughs> know, this the, <laughs> the, the Jojo win total per, er, prediction. And, and so are you going to agree to the terms that whoever comes closest to their to their prediction is the winner yeah no i think that makes perfect sense but but before you say the number i want to double back to this one more time uh which is um we've talked a lot in my talk about my ranges and blah blah blah. we've talked about variables right things that could change in order to affect the outcome would you admit that that exercise that we went through whether you knew it or not was pretty similar to what you went through in your brain, right? I mean, yeah, to get to that number. Okay. It, yeah, it just takes me th- like no more than a minute as opposed to the 20 minutes that we just objected folks to. I just, the, the reason why I'm bringing this up and like, I'm not trying to be a weirdo about it, even though I'm definitely being a weirdo about it, is that predicting stuff like this is very complicated. I think it's helpful to identify the different things that we're considering because I will admit as I went through this exercise over the course of a couple couple weeks, my thinking changed. That is pretty normal. As I thought through things, as I thought about the different teams in the Western Conference and the Bla- all this stuff, my thinking changed, and I've now arrived at what I think is a pretty reasonable outcome. So anyway, it's complicated. That's the point. It's not simple. All right. So I'm going to start this off. Let me see. For one, can you see this? I have a coin flip app. It's, I can, it's pretty bright. I just, it's more like a white glob on the screen. I trust you. Okay. You're going to have to trust me. I'm, I'm going to hit the button and I'm going to say, call it heads or tails. All right. So one, two, three, call it heads. We have landed on heads. So you get to name your prediction first. Oh, that's so kind of you. Okay. So you son of a bitch. And that means I get (laughs) to take five minutes ramping up to it. Thesis one. No. Uh, with all of these different outcomes, absolute worst case, absolute best case and everything in between, what I generally do is then you just take that and you pump out an average, right? So the number mm-hmm. that I'm about to announce, which should not be surprised to anybody, is basically what I think is the most likely outcome based on all these variables. Having said that, my prediction is that the Portland Trailblazers in the 2021-22 season will indeed win 48 games. That is my prediction. You wanted uh, a number, you got a number, it's 48, it's an even number, there's a four in it and an eight in it, it's great. They <laughs> love it. So uh, uh, just uh, for a quick, this 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 next part will not affect the bet in any way, shape, or form, but uh, are you willing to throw down a, uh, a guesstimation on, on what seed that then they would end up with? Interesting that you ask that because I was actually going to do because I knew that you already had one. (laughs) Well, no, because I was going to do one in in what we're talking about today and in this piece I'm going to be releasing. I've actually decided to pull back on that. I think it's actually reasonable to wait and at least see what the team looks like. And I know that all this is is highly predictive, but I'm going to wait a couple months and then I'm going to do my playoff predictions. But if gun to my head, um, you know, I'll say it anyway. This is subject to change based on what the team looks like. But I think that that would probably put the Blazers in fifth, maybe fourth, fifth, fifth feels right. So you want gun to my head. You like those numbers. So I'm saying 48 wins. 
I'm saying fifth. That's what I'm going to go with. 48 wins fifth. Okay. And again, the, uh, the seating is, uh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll, uh, consider the seating to be, uh, if, if you hit the seating, then, uh, you also owe a beer with the lunch too. I don't know. Well, we'll discuss that off air, but I will but yeah, also, that, I, yeah, that's fair. I'll also say that when you're looking at the current Vegas odds, they have 47 and a half is um, sixth, actually tied for fifth. Yeah. So, and it, it, it's the Western Conference is always one of those weird, weird conferences where it can be 52 wins, kind of like how they have it later right. this year. You know, 52 wins is going to get you first in the in the West. Uh, there are other years where you can have seeds one through four that have between 57 and 52 wins. So it's right. it's it's weird how it shakes out. It depends how much of like a drop off there is to the bottom of the conference because if the bottom of the conference is really 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 bad then those yeah. are basically free wins that are being spit up to the top of the conference and so all those numbers rise up the more parity you get anyway, yeah so it doesn't it's kind of like how the eastern conference is every year yeah, <laughs> pretty much yeah so my prediction 48 wins fifth seed so I will say when I gave this prediction, um, it absolutely blew both, uh, Brandon and green's, uh, hair out of the water. They did not Their think hair would... out of the water. Look at you mixing metaphors. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Well, it's also works too. Cause one of them's bald and the other ones <laughs> and the other ones has a lot of hair. hair yeah, so, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Brandon thought that he was going to be the most, and typically he does. He, he falls as the most optimistic. So, Hey, what do you know? All the Brandons I know are weirdly optimistic, uh, <laughs> but, uh, he thought he was going to be the most optimistic. Uh, he was not my win total prediction for the trailblazers this year. I think they end up with 54 wins. Wow. That I is... think this is going to be a very good regular season team. And this is not, and this is not putting that much emphasis on, on coaching being a change. I just do think that I I've preached it all off season that I think this is a very balanced ish roster. Uh, the starting lineup is a good starting lineup with a few tweaks to defense. If they are able to do it, I, uh, you know, there's not a lot of room to get worse on defense. You were 29th. There's a significant amount of room to get better. Are they going to be in the top 10 in defense? Mm, doubtful, but do I think they can be better than, you know, 18th in defense. Yeah. But I think this is going to be a very, very good regular season team, but where, where the prove it factor to me comes from is how much gas is that going to take? And can they sustain that through a playoff run? So and wait that, a minute. And, that, and that's where the questions come for me, but what I think for the blazers, I, I, I have them at 54 wins and third in the West behind yeah. again, the jazz and the Suns. Okay. I, I, I think that that is at the very upper range of my reasonable best case, um, maybe crossing into unreasonable best case. If, so if you want to, if you wanted me to throw like a, uh, an upper range of like where my window lied, my, my floor started at 48 wins and went to 61. Wow. Um, so let me ask you this, how much, do you think that the other teams in the West impact that? Like, how much are you factoring things that are very, very, very hard to predict and that can change? Like, your best laid plans can be ruined by one critical injury. Like, how much are you either accounting for the other teams in the West and for mm -hmm. the Blazers to stay healthy in order for them to get to 54? Well, looking down, it, I don't have a lot of faith in the Lakers just because of they are an older team. The pieces don't necessarily make a lot of sense to me. Like they're, they're one of those teams where it's like, they're the all name team. You know, if you would have put this roster together back in 
2016. Yeah, no doubt they'd freaking just run the table in their conference, but I don't have a lot of faith in them to be, to be that great. I don't see them winning anywhere near 52 and a half. I, I feel them landing around, you know, a 44, 45. It wouldn't surprise me if they were basically in the same boat that they were last year. There's so many new pieces, the, the jazz and the Suns. I think they're going to have a similar season as they did last year. Jazz may be a little bit of a fall off. So, so they're staying the golden state warriors, especially with you know, if Andrew Wiggins isn't going to play, there's so much questions about, uh, clay, clay Thompson's health because, well, he is a great offensive player. What is he going to be able to do on the defensive end? How much is that going to impact them? I think that the golden state warriors could fall somewhere around like a, a fifth seed Dallas Mavericks. We already talked about them. They are way too hyped. Uh, the Clippers, you know, losing Patrick Beverly there. Um, and, and without Kawhi Leonard, that kind of hanging over his head, how is that going to affect the team dynamic? I don't think they're necessarily going to be as good. The Grizzlies, I think are going to be another team that are going to do way better than what, um, you know, Pelicans. I think they're a team where when you talk about, you know, just the bottom falling out of the conference, I think they got a couple wins to absolutely, you know, uh, feed up to the rest of the conference, Minnesota, you know, they're going through their own freaking turmoil, uh, San Antonio. I got no effing clue about them. And then the Rockets in Oklahoma city, I think they're all good. All like those bottom three teams. I think they're all going to fall well in the under for their win total. So there's a lot more wins that are able to be up for grabs, but I can see, uh, Utah, Phoenix and Portland, in this scenario, all being within kind of one win of each other and all having above 50 wins, 50 uh, above 50, 51. So when I'm looking at this conference, I am taking that into effect. And you know, the Denver nuggets, I'm actually going to put them right behind the blazers. I, even without Jamal Murray with, with having an off season, they were a team that even, even though they beat the blazers in the playoffs, they were a team that I think could have benefited a lot more from having more practice and having, you know, the things that are allowed to the players this year with as that weren't last year with the, uh, the COVID regulations and whatnot. So I'm my, my top fours, you know, it's in some order going to be Utah, Phoenix, Portland, and, and Denver. Okay. Uh, that is definitely an optimistic view. Um, let me ask this in your prediction, how strong is the Chauncey Billups coach of the year buzz? Is that happening in your prediction? Uh, I don't. Cause I, I legitimately, if, if they're pushing mid fifties of, of wins, I think that you're going to start hearing his, his name is my thought. Well, well my thing it's, it's kind of, it, it all goes hand in hand. If, if, if the Blazers are going to be a top three team, you know, in the West, if they're pushing above 50 wins, uh, then it, we should be absolutely having the discussion unless something amazing is happening out in the East that Damian Lillard should be a top two contender for MVP and Chauncey Billups should be getting a coach of the year. Like if, now, if, they, on, end, if, if they end up where I think they're going to end up, then both those things are absolutely in play. Wait a minute. And, and if you want to take a flyer, nobody expects it. So you can get really good value on those bets right now. You can flush it right down your toilet. Now, wait a minute. I actually think that the coach of the year stuff and the MVP stuff are diametrically opposed. I think that Dame being an MVP candidate was necessarily because of how the Blazers used him possibly to the detriment of the betterment of the team and that he's going to have to give up some of what makes him an MVP candidate in order for the team to be better. But if the Blazers finish with 54 wins and are third in the West, it's either going to be because of Chauncey being the best coach that this franchise has ever seen right out of the gate per se, or Damian Lillard, once again, playing man alive, his hair's on fire and he's just torching the world. So I'm willing to flush 
$20 down the drain on one side for the other side to win me a pretty penny. I, so, okay. I, it's a, it basically it's a hedge. I personally think that for for both of those things to be true, for both Billups for Coach of the Year and Dame for MVP to be a conversation, that would have to be pushing the unreasonable best case scenario. You're talking at that point 60 plus wins. That's where that stuff, in my view, starts maybe happening. But I think for 54, I, I, I'm not so convinced. Then that wouldn't it would also wouldn't surprise me technically if, if I was going to bet on anybody for Coach of the Year this year. Uh, a sneaky contender is if Philly actually does really, really, really good with all the Ben Simmons drama, uh, Doc Rivers. But uh, I think Ime Odoku, if he's if he gets yeah. the Celtics, if he gets the Celtics right and looking good, I I think again you're going to see a Boston coach that walks away with it. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. I'm trying to look up here something as I stall for time. I know that some people, you know, they're talking about a coaching change and all oh, geez, you know, all the Blazers really need is that Golden State Warriors thing to happen. That switch between Mark Jackson, Steve Kerr. Remember when they went from 51 to 67 wins? I hate to tell people that the Blazers are not the Golden State Warriors. They are not one of the best teams in the history of the NBA who are going to be revolutionizing the way that we think about and play basketball. It's just probably definitely not going to happen. Even in my unreasonable best case scenario, I don't have anywhere near 67 wins. So just get that out of your head right now. But um, like, let me ask one more question about this. Like, in your scenario where they're winning 54 games, I'm curious where you see Nurkic playing into this, right? Like we've talked about how if Powell and Nurkic are going to be more involved, that Dame and CJ are going to have to give up a little bit. So like, what would you, what would you want to see from Nurkic? What would we be seeing if this best case scenario or this, sorry, this, what you're predicting to happen for it to happen, what does Yusuf Nurkic look like and how is he being used? Bring back Nurk fever. I think that when he, when we were all going through Nurk fever, when he first got here and how he was playing and a little bit into the, you know, a little bit into then his, his next season, how he was playing that way, I think is the best version of Nurk. And he was playing well. He was excelling well. He was having nights where he was a very high scoring, high rebounding guy. Uh, but, but he was also, I mean, Dame and CJ were still able to get cooking. They were winning games during that Nurk fever. And that's why, that's why that whole Bosnian beast and Nurk fever mentality took off, but he was playing within the offense while having a bigger role and not necessarily taking away from option one and option two on the team. So if he plays at that level, which we've seen him do before, I think that's the perfect amount of Nurk. And I think that's, that's the kind of guy that can help get us to that 54 win mark. Okay. No, I think that that's totally fair. Um, one more thing, just because I had the tab up about the Warriors, about that jump they made to 67 games. I just want to remind everybody that when that happened, the Warriors finished first in defensive rating and second in offensive rating for first in net rating. So unless you think the Blazers are going to be the top defensive team in the NBA, they're going to go from historically one of the worst ever, 29th in the league, to first, plus their offense gets better. If you think that, you know, more power to you. I want Real, some of what you're drinking. Yeah. Realistically, yeah. I, I can, uh, if they're going to put a lot more effort on, on defense and that does to a degree fall some to Damon CJ having to not do what they've done before of saving themselves on the defensive end or hiding on the defensive end to save their energy for offense. I think there will be a slight bit of a drop off in, in an offense efficiency. I think a good Goldilocks zone to aim for and a realistic expectation to aim for, for the Blazers would be somewhere in the realm of, 
of third, third or fourth in offensive rating, being a top five offense and landing somewhere in, you know, a 15, 16 defense. I think if, I think if you can get that, that's a reasonable expectation. I know Chauncey talked about how he thinks that if they can end up as a top three offense and a top 10 defense, that that is a dangerous and contending team. While I agree with that statement, I don't necessarily think that that big of a jump is a reasonable expectation. I agree with that. And yeah, I, there just, there is a, a major gap between being like top five and one and middle of the pack of the other, a big gap between that and being like historically the best in both. There's just a huge yeah. gap there. And that's, I think it's fine to admit that. So, okay, here's what we have then uh, the we like the blazers official 2021, 22 season predictions. Brandon has the blazers at 48 wins for fifth. Ryan has the Blazers at 54 wins for third. We are putting a JoJo PDX sandwich on the line. Uh, There's really no losers in this bet because the sandwich is going to be delicious no matter what. Uh, And then was there a side bet on the, was the, no, the the side bet was the, uh, if, if you hit your seed, that's uh, a, you also got to buy, you also got to buy the beer for it too. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I buy the beer for lunch. I think that, so I think that that here's my final thoughts on this. Cause I think (sighs) we should probably were an hour 30. Wow. Um, (laughs) I think that I'm right and you're wrong. I think my predictions are perfect and yours are terrible. How's that work? How's that worked out for you in the past? Oh, wonderful. Yeah. It's I've never (laughs) been wrong about anything ever. I, I, I think that, I think that you are being, a little optimistic, but again, like I think that it, it falls right on the cusp of what I think is reasonable. Mm-hmm. I do think if we put the question to Twitter. We asked people what they thought. Uh, we got a couple answers back that range between 48 and 51. So all of these, you, me, the people who responded, we are all going pretty significantly over what the betting odds are for the Blazers. Mm-hmm. I would be very interested to see um, one model that has been historically pretty uh, harsh on the Blazers has been Kevin Pelton's um uh, RPM plus model. And I forget what the plus is, but he has this, you know, analytical model that, that takes into account mm-hmm. the individuals and how well they play and all this stuff. It spits mm-hmm. out a number. I don't think I've seen that from Kevin Pelton yet, but I'd be interested to see if it puts the blazers below 44 and a half. Cause last year it treated them pretty harshly, but everybody that I've seen so far has said, take the over Nate Duncan in the dunked on podcast. He said, take the over. I don't think that he's actually done his season preview yet. He usually does that with Eric Garcia Gunderson. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that come out at some point in the not too distant mm-hmm. future, but I think most people are taking the over at least on 44 and a half. And we both definitely did. Yep. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, next week when we record, like I said, now that we're getting back to actual games and whatnot, we're going to try to get back to our regular recording schedule. But, uh, I think, uh, I got fan fest later today. I'm going, me and Mr. Ryan green are going and I am, nice. uh, I'm, I'm bringing my son. So, uh, he'll, uh, this, I think this will be a second fan fest. I brought him to. So, uh, he was excited when I told him that he gets to go. And then on Monday, we have our first preseason game. Uh, they are playing wow. the Golden State Warriors, and then there is a week until the next preseason game. So uh, we'll have uh, we'll have plenty of stuff to talk about next uh, next week when we record. But until then, go ahead and follow us at uh, We Like the Blazers on Twitter. Uh, hit us up. Uh, you can email us at We Like the Blazers at gmail.com. Go ahead and follow Goldner at Goldner PDX on Twitter. Uh, anytime you want to yell at him, or in this case, you'll probably mostly align with him and tell him his predictions are right. Or follow me, the <laughs> Witty Ryan, uh, on Twitter. 
Twitter and tell me how, how stupidly optimistic I am. But uh, until next time, uh, go Blazers. Go Blazers. Boom. Hey, I actually did the outro. You right. did it. Hooray. You did great. <laughs> As my wife's going, are you done talking yet? Oh, yeah. I don't blame her.